Kia ora, Leo. Tonight, you are talking. Oh, how are you? Oh, how are you too? I'm good. I'm pretty good. I'm learning the ropes, and it's lovely to be speaking with you for the first time. Sure. Tonight, we're talking about... Now, please help me with the pronunciation, but I'm going to have a stab at it. Lysergic acid diethylamide, LSD. Diethylamide. Diethylamide. Yes, yes. Lysergic, can you say it? Lysergic acid diethylamide, or LSD for short. Everybody knows what LSD stands for, the acronym. Where do we start? Where do we start? Okay, let's describe it first. It's a semi-synthetic alkaloid, a part of a group called ergolines. Now, I'll have to explain this to you, and I discussed with my wife before how the best way to describe it, because it's quite important to understand it and to understand how it works and similar chemicals work um, and hallucinations and other um, psychoactive effects. Basically, an ergoline is is a molecule which has got six rings attached to it, and the basis of it is what's called an indole, which is a six-membered ring. Attached to it is a five-member ring with a nitrogen in it. We call that an indole. And swinging off the five-member ring is two carbons and an amine or an H2 or a nitrogen. And that's very important because um, serotonin is is very similar to that, to that structure, basic backbone structure has got a hydroxy group on it. So these have what you might call hallucinogenic serotonergic effects. So LSD is a part of that group, but other ones like a gotamine are present there as also. It's found um, it's found in Hawaiian baby wood rose plants, morning glory, which is a weed across the world, and most importantly, the the uh, the wheat rye fungus, which is called Clavicepis pupuria. Now, it's my turn not to pronounce it correctly. Claviceps pupuria. And the pupuria means purple because what happens is the fungi, um, under unusual weather conditions, will grow on the on the rye, and then they'll form um, these these structures um, that that contain all these alkaloids, and it's a purple color. So that's why it's called pupuria. So. As I said, it's found in the uh, in this plant, and um, and it was with the interest of it was uh, Albert Hoffman who took a lot of interest in that in the 1930s. And so what he did was he took lysergic acid, which is one of the uh, ergolines um, present in in these uh, structures uh, in these fungi, and then he started attaching other chemical groups to that and wanted to work out whether it would have um, any psychoactive effect on animals for therapeutic reasons. So he started going through one, two, three, four, five, and he got to number 25 in that group, and that was LSD, where he attached a diethyl amide group. So basically what you're looking at really is a nitrogen with two carbons off it, with another another carbon off it, or, which we call um, amides, um, attached to it or diethylamide attached to it and that was LSD now it went off to be tested with animal models and it wasn't of much significance and this was in 1938 so he dropped it and he came back a couple of years later in 1943 and thought I'd give it a go again so he started um, he started synthesizing LSD uh, number 25 and then what happened was some of it was on his finger he didn't, when he synthesized it, he wasn't very careful and got some on his finger. And he tends to think some of it absorbed across the skin, or he maybe licked his fingers afterwards, who knows. 
And he had to take the rest of the afternoon off because he felt restless and dizzy. And and uh, he felt his imagination was stimulated. And that was it, really. It was a very small amount. So he went home and he thought, there's something in this. So he decided, this is 1943 now. So he decided he would take a, a, a sample and apply it to himself. He became the human guinea pig. So he thought, I'll take a very low dose. So 250 micrograms of the stuff. And that, what is 250 micrograms? It's a quarter of a thousandth of a gram. Okay, a quarter of a thousandth of a gram. And he thought, hmm, that'll be enough. That, that'll be sufficient. No, so he took it. <clears throat> and he had an extremely adverse hallucinogenic effect. And he described it as being <laughs> a demonic transformation. And uh, he took asked an assistant to help him bike home because there were no cars available during the war. Um, and he called his doctor and doctor says, nothing wrong with you. I can't find anything wrong with you. And he recovered the next day and went back to work and made a report, which surprised everybody. And so some other people in Sandos, where he worked, also took it and said, there's something in this. And from there, the, the research developed into this drug that was used for, um, which was manufactured by Sandos uh, in the 1940s, 50s, and 60s as a prescription drug called Delicid, now my pronunciation is not the best, which was used in psychiatric and medicinal research. So it was used as a tool for uh, psychiatric research. And he said in one of the reports I read, he had no idea it would become a recreational drug. It didn't even enter his head, particularly after the experience he had when he took to 250 micrograms of it. A demonic so transformation. It, it, a demonic transformation. Apparently, um, he asked his neighbor if he, she could bring some milk. <laughs> and he said she turned into a witch <laughs> when she came in the door and he realized something's going on in my brain. Um, but he had no idea, no idea that it would become recreational use. He saw it and Sandos saw it as a tool for psychiatric medical research. Now, interesting, in the early 60s, it became available in New Zealand in psychiatric hospitals, particularly, <laughs> to my surprise, in Dunedin at um, Cherry Farm, which is um, just north of Dunedin. Well, it was. It's no longer there. Waikari Hospital and Ashburn Hall, they, they were using it. And also in Calvary Private Hospital in Christchurch. And out of that, a, a paper was published by Dr. Livingston in 1966, which the title goes, Some General Observations on the Usefulness of a Surgic Acid in Psychiatry. And so... Um, Work was being so it was being used in psychiatric institutions, notably in the South Island, and this paper was published. But then it was banned in 1967, and all research ground to a halt. In fact, Sandos got quite concerned about its misuse and, and decided to stop making it available in the mid 60s to beatniks, as they said. So it became illegal in 1967. And only recently, research in New Zealand, particularly, um, now here I go with my bad pronunciation, at Dr. Muthu Kuma Saramoi and his colleagues at the, um, at the School of Medicine, Auckland University, are now once more investigating the therapies of, of LSD, LSD, yes, LSD. So that's basically the history behind it. Um, and of course, it was popularized by, um, um, Timothy Leary, when he talked about um, turn on, tune in, and drop out, and of course, LSD, Lucian Sky Diamonds, all that sort of stuff. And it became very popular in the 60s in New Zealand and in the 1970s, um, used recreationally. I knew people back in, the, back in those days when I was young who took it. 
um, a friend of mine or a social of mine took it one day and she sat in the square and just swore at everybody under the influence of it. So it was readily available in New Zealand during that time frame. So that's the history of LSD. The effects itself, it causes, as we know, sensory um, alterations, euphoria. So people have these, these what they call trips. Um, and again, I talked to people in the early 70s, and they described to me, you had to be in the right setting, Leo, with the right music, and everything was lovely. But if you had a terrible record on, then you had a terrible experience. So um, basically, it alters your sense of uh, 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 your perceptions of reality. So the onset, yeah, people typically take it orally, and the onset of effects is usually within half an hour to an hour, um, and they can persist from four to 12 hours. And how it works in the body is that it stimulates certain receptors, serotonin receptors. Remember I said before that the basis of LSD is a serotonin-like structure, which mm -hmm. is the indole with the, th the two, um, the two uh, carbons and the amine to it. And there are other drugs, there are a whole class of other drugs similar to that, um, like psilocybin and ma magic mushrooms and dimethyltryptamine and Ayushka, um, which is that South American um, beverage you can take, um, extracted from a vine of the soul, I think it's called, and you drink this and you have similar um, hallucinogenic effects. But LSD is a gold standard because the 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 the, the, the um, it's such a psychoactive, powerful psychoactive drug. Everything's compared to LSD, and so the others pale into insignificance compared with this um, uh, this drug. And so it acts on, on a subclass of the serotonin receptors called the 5H2A in the brain, particularly in the cortical region of the brain. And you, and they tend to think it activates pathways in that region, which has a cascade effects in other parts of the brain, which leads to the, um, the perceptions of reality changing, you know, um, uh, for the people who are taking it. Leo, can I jump in? Can we go back to the good trip, bad trip? You know, the yes, turn on, yes. tune in and drop out. And it's yep. all about the right musical. I mean, scientifically, is it is it just a guessing game what's going to happen? Or are certain people more inclined to have a, a good time and others are about to have this demonic transformation? How does uh, that part work? It's a good question. Um I'm not sure how I could answer that. I can only go by what people told me. And my reading literature, I focus on the toxicology uh, more than anything else. And um, there was one paper I read where some people can have these adverse effects, which can lead to, to neuropsychiatric conditions. But it, they tend to think some people who uh, who are um, who who've got underlying psychiatric disorders may be more prone to it and have more adverse effects. So their interpretation, perhaps, of their of their distorted reality may be more severe um, or toxic compared with somebody else. Um, that's the best I can answer that question, really. I'm sorry. So continuing. Um, the trouble is, as I said, for some people, there is a risk of um, adverse effects, people who've got underlying psychiatric disorders, and there was one paper I said before, as I read, that they talked about um, increased suicide ideation, psychological distress, major depressive episodes, and serious mental illness. The difference being, what I've read suggests that under controlled clinical conditions, where you give a defined dose, you know, a def I should have mentioned earlier, what is a dose of, 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 of LSD? And the dose of LSD is typically 25 to 100 
micrograms. And to understand what 25 micrograms is, that's quarter of a ten thousandth of a gram. So we're talking small amounts. And under control conditions, um, it may be of, of um, a benefit in psychiatric um, research, but the jury's still out and a lot of research needs to be done to try and conclude that. But under controlled clinical conditions, there may be of some value, though the jury's still out uh, about that one. But it, some investigators have suggested it's worth following up, including Auckland University of Auckland Medicine. So the drug itself is low toxicity, as are all the other um, as all the other tryptamine, indole tryptamines, the ones I described before, they are low toxic. And, and you can take a large dose without having adverse toxic effects, but you could have adverse neuropsychiatric effects. In fact, deaths are usually associated with suicides as a result of what they experienced. Murders, for example. Um, accidental deaths, you know, I can fly, they jump off a building, which has been reported. Um, and also, finally, excited by the course, cited delirium syndrome, which is basically drug-induced intense paranoia, which following bizarre and violent behavior requiring forceful restraint. So the drug itself is not toxic, but the perceptions of reality are changed in a manner that can lead to adverse events in their lives. So how can LSD be used safely how does that part work and well, as, as it, i said yeah it, well it, it, that paper was published in the medical journal in 1966 i think it was um he the guy was very glowing about the use of it with his patients his consenting patients um and so as i said if you it's it's like it's like heroin it's not heroin like 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 um like codeine or, or some of the um some of the opioids they're abused Okay, and they can lead to serious depression, respiratory depression, and death. But when used in a controlled environment, like you know, for example, panadine has eight milligrams of codeine in it, right? And it's a controlled dose. That's fine. But it's when it's used in an uncontrolled manner, it becomes an issue. And so, as if it's given in a controlled dose and clinically observed carefully for the patients, in case they have adverse events, um, then there may be some use for that drug. Maybe, I say. What do we know about its therapeutic use now? I haven't really looked into that one, unfortunately. Because um, I said, I, I follow them as, as the toxic effects. Um, and there were some glowing reports of it. Um, I don't think I've got anything in front of me. Um, the, the paper, again, in 1966, he spoke very highly of it and the beneficial effects had the patients. But apart from that, I'm not sure. You mentioned that it all ground to a halt in 67. I know this is a little while ago, but I'm curious as to, to know why and how that all suddenly stopped since it was glowing until then. I think because the whole, um, because of um, the people of that of that era, the young people of that era, they call the counterculture. They were starting to take these drugs and other drugs. There was an abject horror from the from the previous generation, and a reaction a, a reaction to that was to make them was to ban them. Now, some of the drugs I agree with, um, like methamphetamine, etc. Um, that sometimes when you ban all the drugs, you can throw the baby out with the bathwater. So it was a reaction to the counterculture movement, notably in America. Um, but also to a less extent in New Zealand, that people it was a knee-jerk reaction to make to to ban these drugs. But as I said, I think some of them the ban of some of the drugs is very important, and I think other drugs 
pause and think, are there therapeutic uses for it? Exactly. And is there anything else happening with LSD now that you're aware of from a toxicology point of view? Um, basically, the papers, the, the one I read out to you before, um, where where, the, where where there is a risk of um, adverse neuropsychiatric effects on people who take the drug, uh, particularly predisposed to these to these syndromes, um, there was an interesting paper recently that said, "Can people die from LSD?" And the final answer was no. <laughs> and there, there were a couple of cases in the sixties and seventies where there was a lot of hysteria associated with it, where people had died, but they look at the blood levels. They said, well, "Actually, the blood levels already that very high." Therefore, it wasn't the LSD that killed them; it was something else. So there's some interesting discussion on that, and the conclusion was. You cannot die directly from LSD. You cannot die directly from LSD, but your behaviour can be so impacted that crazy things can happen that could include... That's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. Leo Shep, thank you very much. Greatly appreciate this evening's conversation. You're welcome. All the very best.